Listen, I've got... I hope my dad is listening right now. I've got a famous relative. And it's not Grant Marshall, who's coming up next on the show, by the way. His name is W.F. Marshall. He was known as the Bard of Tyrone. I've got a book in front of me. It's called Living in Drumlister. The Collected Ballads of Verses and Verses of W.F. Marshall. Have you ever seen that book, John? Never. Would you like to hold it? Sure. Okay, no, give it back now. Give it back. <laughs> this gentleman had quite an impact on that area. He was quite known for a few things. Well, he was a preacher. He was a broadcaster. Oh, that sounds familiar. And a uh, poet, but he was also a master of the local dialect. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I had a, a, a relative a long time ago that did uh, the whole family roots thing, and they traced uh, the Marshall family back to 1694 in Oma County, Tyrone, Northern Ireland. Probably the most famous of all the Marshalls was William Forbes Marshall, born in 1888. And uh, we're going to speak today with a gentleman who has, some have said, is the new bard of Tyrone. His name is Declan Ford. He's a storyteller, aficionado, W.F. Marshall, a teacher by occupation, a poet by inclination, and a pauper by circumstance. Enough said right there. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line with us is uh, Mr. Declan Ford. Uh, Declan, where the heck are you right now? Well, I, I'm actually sitting in Belfast in my son's house. Uh, we came up to see him today. Oh, and by the way, a very happy St. Patrick's Day to you. To you. And to all the listeners. To you as well. I want to just say beside me is this John McCauley fellow. He's a Belfast boy. And now, sure. look, he just lit up as soon as you... And, of course, you want to know, what part of Belfast do you... You want to do that whole thing, don't you? No. Hey? Where are you sitting right now in Belfast? You said your son's I, house. I, I, I am sitting on the top of the Armour Road. Oh, love know it well. I'm a castle. And, and just to make you feel at home, uh, John, uh, as they would say in Belfast parlance, thank you, big lad. Hope all's well. All's well, big lad. How's your listeners? <laughs> I, I'm from the Cassaray Hills, so I'm close to you. Good God of Almighty. Well, I'm so appreciative of you being here, and uh, we, we're just sort of flying out of time here. So why do you give a holy grunt about W.F. Marshall? Because Marshall really appreciated and studied the language of the people, and with all its influences, the Irish influence, the Scots influence, and of course the European influence. And what he did, he actually collected the language of the people. It, it was as another great writer, a man called Michael J. Murphy, who collected stories in Tyrone around the same time that toward, towards the end of Marshall's life, he said that he witnessed the day in embers of a culture and a way of life. And I think Marshall realized that himself a generation earlier. And he actually compiled uh, a dictionary of Tyroneisms. And we have our own peculiar way of speaking in Tyrone. Can you give us like a sample? We need a sample of that right away. What, like, tell me. Can you speak like they speak? Yes. Uh, for example, Tyrone is the only place in the world where a dog can be wild tame. <laughs> wild and tame. It can be wild tame. Wild tame. Yeah. <laughs> and here, uh, a young boy would be known uh, as a cub. In, in, in your country, it would be a grizzly bear. But here, a cub is a young boy and a cuddy, or a cuddy is a young girl. Mm. And uh, a caddy is also a young boy. So th these are these are words that perhaps emanate from the Scots to the Irish. And Marshall realised the value and not the intrinsic value. Marshall uh, loved the vernacular, and in a way, he was a wee bit, maybe a wee bit akin to to Robert Service and his tales of the Yukon. You know, telling the stories of 
of wild men and mountain farmers and, and uh, people who lived kind of on the on the edge of of uh, society. You know, the the elderly farmer who lived alone and is looking back over his life. And he, in a very gentle way, I think, put down in words what the the Ulster landscape papers painters put down in paint. You know, the world of the thatched cottage. Think the quiet man. Of course. And it's, it's that kind of never-never land, in a way. Well, obviously, John, you're not from that neck of the woods, then. You don't even know what the quiet mine is. No, I don't. John Wayne? <laughs> ask, ask John some time to, to explain to you uh, about Buck Alec. Yeah, Buck Alec. Into the microphone. You don't, you're you just repeating what he said. Because I, it's my people, and I'm entranced by them. I'm, you know. <laughs> he's just a... Have you ever had a friend that oh. you just wondered what kind of medication he's on? Have you ever, has that ever happened, Declan? <laughs> <laughs> Buck Alec used to stand outside the city hall in Belfast with a lion. And uh, he, was, he was a character. He reputedly, uh, I think, was employed by a Mr. Alphonsus Capone, who's... Mm. Uh, uh, a well-known character in America in the 1920s, but he would still be remembered, you know. So Belfast has its, as I'm sure you can tell by looking at John, its own quirky characters. If would see, Declan. he's on board. Well done, Declan. I appreciate that. Well done. Um, now listen, we need you. We need you to. Uh, sorry, let me. I'm, I'm not saying this right. I'm sort of bossing you around. Would you please honor us with a with a wee reading? of W.F. Marshall while we maybe follow along in his book. Because I tried reading this on air a couple of years ago, and uh, people called in and started to complain because they didn't know what the heck I was saying. Uh, I, I, can, I can imagine. It's like Oscar Wilde uh, wrote a poem that Sir Edward Carson recited at his trial, or a, a letter, and he said, is this beautiful, Mr. Wilde? And Wilde said, not the way you recited, Mr. Carson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll tell you what, I'll give you three verses of Me and Me Da, probably the best-known poem from W.F. Marshall. Okay, here we go. I'm living in Drumluster and I'm getting very old. I have to wear an Indian bag to save me from the cold. Oh, the deal of man in this town land was cleaner, rare nor me. But I'm living in Drumlister and clobber to the knee. <laughs> me dad lived up in Kiarman and kept a servant boy. Oh, his second wife was very sharp. He buried her with joy. Now, she was thin. Her name was Flynn. She come from Cullen Thra. And if me shirt's a clotty shirt, the man to blames me da. Concerning women, sure, it was a constant word of his. Keep away from them that's thin, their tempers as he is. Well, I knowed too a thought would do, but still I had me fears, so I kiffled back and forward between the two for years. Ladies and gentlemen. That's three verses of me and me down. La ladies and gentlemen, Declan Ford doing W.F. Marshall on the Drew Marshall Show. A moment right there on the Drew Marshall yes, Show. I'm well so done. happy about that. That's crazy. Now, listen, you're, John, you're looking at this book. If you were to read those words, could you do what he did or would you stuff it off like I did? Well, I have a half-baked Canadian accent now. Yeah. We Margaret had no fortune, but two rosy cheeks would plays. The farmer's land was Bridget's, but she took the pot. <laughs> no, I can't. No, you can't. No, just stop. <laughs> Not without it sounding like just, a swear word. Yeah. <laughs> Declan, that was amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I want to ask you about living or being or having some association with Oma. 
I mean, that's that's sort of the family is kind of from that neck of the woods, and and of course everyone knows Oma because of the Oma bombing. Yeah. Where, where were you that day? That day, I, I was actually in Mayo with with a group. I, I put at the guitar and I recite poetry and tell stories. And we were down and we were taking part in a kind of a community festival. And it was it was it was one of those moments you never want to relive. We were actually watching the television screen, and every ten minutes or so, the news was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it came back the next morning, just the day after the bomb. And I taught in the town at that stage. I taught in, in the with the Christian Brothers, and it was just horrendous. It, it destroyed the town, the fabric of the town, but it brought the people together, and it was it was a, a dreadfully cruel, uh, inhumane act. And uh, but the town, you know, one one man said, you know, at the time he says, "We are on our knees. We go no lower." Mm. And that kind of resilience, I think, pulled the people through, you know, and uh, it, it, it's the 20th anniversary now in August, and uh, it, it's it's very poignant and sad for some people. Some people have never, ever got over it. I mean, how could you? How could anybody get over it? Let me ask you, know? do you think it'll get stirred up around the 20th anniversary? It'll be remembered. Uh, no, but you th- do you no think it did... I think confined in the the you know the perpetrators right but do you think um, do you think there'll be troublemakers no i don't think so i think it was too enormous it was yeah. too horrific i think that uh, it, it was, was a sobering moment wasn't it it was like the because there had been a little bit of a, a break and and peace and then that happened but i think right. everybody said okay Enough we're not going back in fact bono very famously that night was at a concert and he actually called that out and said, you know, we're not going back to to this because this bomb killed both sides, including a mother with two twins. I mean, this was was a tragic, but it broke the spirit, uh, I think, of even anything that some more uh, groups wanted to incite. I think the people were saying, we're not going to go back there. And I think, John, you're right. In a way, it destroyed the romanticism of, of violence. Yeah. You know, it became suddenly it was something that was just so horrific. And the, the lady that died um, with the twins and her mother died as well. In fact, her father died about a year ago. He was a man called Mick Grimes from, mm. from Berra, not that far from her, where Marshall lived. Mm. And uh, he was a man of such immense dignity. And you know, he did not carry any hatred mm. at all. And he realized that people had to sit and talk. You know, you have to, you have to talk. You have to sort of difficulties and problems out. And he, he was a man who just was. He was in a different league from the rest of us. He was head and shoulders above us. Declan Ford on the line with us all the way over uh, from Belfast. He has a fair bit to do with Oma in County Tyrone. He has well, uh, he has known uh, of W. F. Marshall for a long, long time. And uh, how do you feel when when people? Because I've read it twice in two different uh, websites. Oh, maybe it was just one. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Anyway, somebody said, they put this on you. You're the new bard of Tyrone. How do you feel about that? <laughs> the only bard I have been is from pubs. <laughs> we don't know what a bard is. A bard is a, a versifier. And uh, yes, I, I enjoy actually, you know, to be serious about it, putting words together and telling stories. And uh, the Shanaki tradition, the old storyteller tradition is alive and well, whether it's in verse 
or in prose form, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we still have that wonderful thing where people will actually talk to each other and listen to each other and will actually turn these things called televisions off yeah. and engage with each other. And that, that, that vernacular tradition is very strong in Tyrone. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the idea just of sit and talk and telling stories. Well, we're all born liars anyhow, aren't we? We're born liars, nice. <laughs> I am very thankful for you to be willing to come on the show and, and pay a little tribute to a long, faraway relative of mine, W.F. Marshall, uh, born, I believe, in 1888. And if you follow up the family tree, and I'll show John, I've actually got the Marshalls of Mona book right here in front of me. The family tree goes all the way along, and next thing you know, my name's on the same family tree. As W.F. Marshall. So why do you say well, such a long distance? Just say, my relative, W.F. Marshall. That's what we do at home. Yeah, that's it. Claim them. Well, Claim them. All right. Well, well, Drew, as long as W.F. Marshall is not torn into his grave. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he is. He's like, really? There's another one of us who used to be a pastor and now they're a uh, broadcaster? Where's he buried? Oh, yeah, where is he buried? He's buried in Six Mile Cross, actually buried along with his brother, who was also a writer. Yeah, nobody cared about him. <laughs> well, he was there in the background. I think WF was such a big figure. And yeah. it's actually, when you actually listen to Marshall's voice, though Marshall caught the vernacular, the Tyrone vernacular, when he talked, he talked like this. It was very uh, sonorous and totally devoid of accent. That sounds like a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, little little fire and brimstone going on there. Listen, Declan, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you and yours. And I have a feeling we're going to keep in touch, and, and we'll get you back on the show soon and, enough. And, and please do. And I, I go gentle on John from Belfast. I remember, <laughs> he, he's far away from home, and he's probably got his eyes cast over to the Castlereagh Hills with a tear trickling down a cheek. Declan, catch yourself on. <laughs> Okay, you guys knock it off. Yeah, have a very, very happy St. Patrick's. Lovely talking to you. Thank you, Declan. Thank you. Declan Ford on the Drew Marshall Show.